Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Well, this morning we celebrate uh, the birth of our nation and its declaration of independence. I actually, Janet and I stood in front of that document a few years back when we made a trip to Washington, D.C., and I didn't realize it till I saw it. It is so faded, you can barely read it at all. How many of you have actually seen the Declaration of Independence? Yeah, you can barely make it out. You can still make out that big signature down at the bottom of John Hancock's. So you can see that. But it was a very, it was a very momentous decision for every single man who signed that document. John Adams, as he signed it, he said these words. He said, whether we live or die, sink or swim, succeed or fail, I stand behind this declaration of independence, and if God wills it, I am ready to die in order that this country might experience freedom. That was the type of patriotism that caused just common, ordinary men to go to battle, as Pastor Todd pointed out, against the most powerful military in the world. And a lot of times they were armed with just uh, some old hunting rifles, if they had one, and sometimes they had nothing more than a shovel. I will say this, if I'm going to be taken out in battle, I'd rather be taken out with an old hunting rifle than with a shovel. Many of our forefathers paid an incredible price in the Revolutionary War, but finally they won victory so that you and myself, that we can be citizens of this land of the free and home of the brave. Amen? You know, I've said this before, that by them declaring their independence from England, these great men were making an even more powerful declaration of dependence upon God. Independence from England, complete dependence upon God. And that's the first of four points I want to make uh, just briefly this morning. The first one is our forefathers were declaring their complete dependence on God. In the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, uh, You can still just barely read it, but it says those words, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I am very much inspired by the closing words of the Declaration of Independence, where you read this. It says, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So when they said we are depending on a divine providence, that means they are placing their faith completely in God. And they're pledging their lives and their money. Wow, that's faith, right? 
We pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They not only trusted God with their lives, they were trusting Him with their money. Yet again, a great example for all of us still today, right? I think it's very important today that as we, uh, we recall this uh, declaration of dependence, as they did, because the United States were very, very quickly forgetting the God of our forefathers, the God that gave this nation its birth and gave this nation its greatness. Why was this na- Why for the last couple hundred years has this nation been the greatest nation on earth? It is, in one word, God. But we're losing it. I would assume that most of you are familiar with the name Patrick Henry. I love this example because this guy was incredible. Let me see your hand if you even recognize, or it sounds familiar, Patrick Henry. And why do we remember that name? Most of us remember that name because of one sentence. Give me liberty or give me death. That's why we remember him. But I've always found the background story on Patrick Henry to be incredibly interesting. He was a statesman and an orator from Colonial Virginia. In 1764, he was elected to the House of Burgesses in Virginia. He became a champion of these frontier people and their rights against the British government. Ten years later, in 1774, he was a delegate to the First Continental Congress. It was a year later that Patrick Henry gave this very, very famous speech of his. He was addressing this uh, this Virginia convention where it was actually deeply divided right down the middle between people who supported this nation staying under the rule of England, just being an, an extension of England, and the other half, including Patrick Henry, demanding complete independence. And it was during that speech right at the end where he said those very, very famous words, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And that's when that guy stood up and just shot him. I'm I'm joking about it. That didn't happen. He was fine. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention this morning. It was a test. Patrick Henry became commander-in-chief of Virginia's military. He was a member of the Second Continental Congress. He was very instrumental in drawing up the Constitution. He was largely responsible for drawing up our Bill of Rights. He was Virginia's first governor. He was re-elected four times. After having served four times, he declined the fifth nomination and he retired. And you know what the people did? They elected him anyway. Wow, it's unprecedented, right? He was offered and declined the following positions. A seat on the U.S. Senate, U.S. Ambassador to Spain, Secretary of State, and Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Now, the reason I'm giving you all of this background information on Patrick Henry is not because we're going to have a little pop quiz, but it's because I want you to realize that for someone who most people just basically remember for those few words, give me liberty or give me death, he was a lot, lot more than that. I mean, this guy, politically speaking, was something else. There could be a very strong argument that he was indeed one of the greatest political figures in United States history. 
He was absolutely one of the most important and respected leaders when this nation came into being. So having said all that, and hopefully establishing the social and political clout of this one particular man, I want you to listen to some other important words that were spoken by Patrick Henry. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was not founded by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine any politician saying that in any type of political speech? It seems it is just it's we've gotten to the point where that would be political suicide in a nation that was built upon God. In his last will and testament, if you read his will, it's in the Brookneal County Courthouse in Virginia. You'll see that he left everything to his children, just as most people do, but the last paragraph of his will is especially interesting. He wrote this. He said, I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have nothing. You know, to me, it's sometimes hard to fathom what many of our nation's forefathers, what they went through so that you and I could be here this morning experiencing the freedoms that we have. But I think this morning we need to be reminded about a very solemn warning that God gave to another nation that was experiencing the thrill of independence after hundreds of years of Egyptian slavery the children of Israel. And although this particular warning was written over 3,000 years ago, I'll tell you, it, it so very well still applies to our nation today. You'll find it in Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 14. That this is so telling. Listen to what Moses told these stubborn, stubborn people back then. He said, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land where you shall eat food without scarcity. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. But beware, lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them and your silver and your gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud and you forget the Lord your God. Man, does that sound like that could have been spoken to the United States of America? And that brings me to point number two this morning. We cannot forget God. We must not forget God. History has proven time and time again that the greatness of a nation does not rest in its military power, its technological uh, advancement, or even its national wealth. Righteousness and justice are always the determining factors. Solomon, one of the wisest of all men, he said it best. He said, righteousness exalts a nation, but, a, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14.34 And so what do we see happening in the United States today? I think that to a great extent, 
our modern objectives in life have become success, status, security. You can throw in a healthy dose of self-indulgence, comfort, pleasure. That's what everybody's after, right? Our nation has become a society that is much more concerned about a higher standard of living than about living by a higher standard. I'm going to say it again. Too often we're more concerned about a higher standard of living than we are about living by a higher standard. Amen? Too often today, riches are elevated above righteousness. Science is often elevated above the Savior. I would, this is, this is now gospel according to Doug. I'm saying in the last 50 years especially, it started before that, but I'm saying within the last 50 years, you have seen this uh, unprecedented escalation where our nation has been turning away from morality, moral law, God-given moral law. And yet people just scratch their heads and want to know what on earth has happened to this society. You know, you hear people say, man, what, what in the world's happening with our kids today? Here's what happened to morality. In 1963, we got a great jump on it when Madeline Murray O'Hare complained that she didn't want any prayer in our public schools, and we said, okay. Then someone said, well, you better not even read the Bible in school either. It says stuff like, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, love your neighbor, lots of damaging things like that. And we said, okay. School boards then said that teachers and principals, we, we better not even discipline our children when they disobey because we don't want to be sued. And we said, okay. And I will tell you, I will tell you this much. We said okay to that one after I got out of school. I'm just, that's, I'm just telling you. <clears throat> then someone said, well, let's provide birth control so our young people can achieve a greater level of safety in their lives. And we said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. They went on to say, let's even provide abortions for underage girls. They won't even have to tell their parents. And we said, oh, that's another good idea. And then when our nation's top-ranking official came under fire for immoral behavior, he looked directly into a TV camera and he told our nation that what we do in private is completely our own business. And we said, well, you know, as long as I have a job and the economy seems to be good, I don't care what anybody does in private. And now we're asking ourselves why nobody seems to have much of a conscience. Why people don't seem to know right from wrong. Why it doesn't even seem to bother some people to kill other people. I have to believe if we just think about it for just a nanosecond here, we can figure out why things have gone so haywire, right? It has something to do with Job 4.8 that says, And those who sow trouble will reap it. What a completely different concept today, right? Those who sow trouble, we're going to reap it. We can't afford to forget God, amen, as a nation. 
we must begin to remember God. The third point I want to make this morning is this. We must keep our freedoms from ruining us. You know, a lot of times, personal freedom is the very thing that enslaves people. Here's what I'm talking about. When we humans are given complete freedom to make all of our own choices, that is oftentimes where the trouble starts. Because we start making all our own calls. I'll use myself as an example. When I was a kid, if I would have had the freedom to make all of my own choices, I would probably not be standing here this morning. I'll tell you that much. Most likely, I would have somehow accidentally killed myself doing something incredibly stupid. Or maybe burned the house down, which I almost did twice, not having complete freedom. Or at the very minimum, chances are good I would have been dead years ago from a steady diet of hot dogs, coke, and cotton candy. I'd have killed myself years ago. In Titus 3.3, Paul wrote this, At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and entangled by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Man, those are some of the very enslavements that sinful choices bind us up in. It is so ironic that people who are bound by sin almost always think they're free. But in reality are complete slaves to their sin. Drug addiction is epidemic in our world today. Our teen challenge centers are full with a waiting list. Why? Because so many people have said, man, but the high, it just makes me feel so free but yet they are enslaved. Alcoholics. Hey, I'm 21. I'm free to make my own choices. Enslaved. Porn addictions. I'm free to look at anything I want to on my computer. Enslaved. You know, there is a classic story of someone who became enslaved by their freedom. The prodigal son, as we refer to this story, he came to his father and he basically said this to his dad. He said, listen, old man, I've decided I want my freedom. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just give me everything I've got coming right now. That's what he said, basically, right? Now, this story is an allegory. In other words, it's a story that tells another story of how we sometimes, we, will, we decide to, to tell God that we want our freedom ourselves. We're going to make our own choices. And that's when everything goes over the cliff, right? But I, I've said this before, I'll always say it. One of the dumbest things you can ever request from God is for Him to just give you everything you've got coming. That is a stupid, stupid prayer. Do not ask God to give you everything you've got coming. We pray for His grace and His mercy, not for what we've got coming, right? Because there is no one good among us. So then the prodigal son, he, his father grants him his freedom. 
going to let him experience his freedom all for himself. And he walks away from home thinking, man, I'm free. I'm, I'm finally free. But he wasn't free for long, right? His newfound freedom was over before he knew it. I mean, he was completely enslaved to his freedom. Because when all of his money ran out, so did his friends, right? Friends. And he found himself enslaved to a Gentile hog farmer in a pen full of pigs. Now this story, you would have to have been brought up Jewish a few thousand years ago to understand the complete irony of this story. I mean, he is at the bottom, bottom rung of the social ladder at this point because to them, Gentiles were below the Jews and there was nothing lower on the face of the earth than a pig. And what is he now? He's working for a Gentile to service the pigs, serve the pigs. He is now one step lower than the pig. He's serving the pig. So it wasn't until he made a choice to go home, he remembered his father. And he remembered, you know, I had a lot more freedom when I just did what the father said. That's the allegory in this story. And so he never experienced freedom until he made that choice to go back to the father, and then he found freedom. Which brings me to point number four. Our real freedom comes from Christ. You know, as Christians, we have a greater freedom than even our Constitution can give to us. We have complete freedom in Christ. Nobody can take it away from you. Only you can give it up. There's a good word for freedom in the Old Testament. That word is redemption. Redemption means to be set free, right? It means that we have been bought with a price and that we're now freed from the bondage that held us. We're even freed from the penalty of our sins. That is complete freedom. Paul told Titus, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. Titus 2, 11-14. It says, for the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. If you really want to be a patriot this morning, if you're really concerned about America, if you really want God to bless America, if you really want to make America great again, then you have to strive to live your life for Jesus. Earnestly seeking God's will for your life because then and only then do any of us ever have the right to say, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. 
through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, God bless America, my home sweet home. I would tell you this morning that Donald Trump, bless his heart, cannot make America great again by himself, that's for sure. Only we, you, myself, all of us as Americans, we can only make America great again by returning to our faith in God. That's the only thing that, that's what made America great. That's what will make it great again. That's what has to sweep over our nation. More than just some ooey-gooey feeling of patriotism, it has to go beyond that. It has to be us making a declaration of dependence upon God and God alone. That will make America great again. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I can't tell you the future. Could be very well that Jesus returns before that happens. But you can still be ready. You can still experience complete freedom with Him. Amen? So this week, as we celebrate the greatness of America and the birth of our nation, we need to pray that our country will once again experience this real, genuine freedom that is only found in Christ. Not a freedom from God, but freedom found in God. Amen? We do that by obeying His Word and His commands. And also that each one of us will establish or reestablish our complete dependence upon Him, upon God, so we can experience this only true freedom that only He can give us. And that is when all of us are going to experience life, liberty, and happiness. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.